You're listening to Climate Update, a podcast brought to you by the Climate Change Institute of the Australian National University. Hello and welcome back to Climate Update. This week, we'll be discussing the federal government's recently released Technology Investment Roadmap discussion paper, the role of gas in Australia's energy generation, and what Australia's energy future could look like. Gas has been featuring prominently in discussions around the post-COVID-19 recovery in Australia and in the federal government's recently released Technology Investment Roadmap. The roadmap discusses options for Australia's long-term plan to reduce carbon emissions over the next 30 years by driving investment in low-emissions technologies to strengthen our economy and support jobs and businesses. The roadmap states that although solar and wind are the cheaper forms of energy generation, their reliability is still questionable, and gas will be important in balancing renewable energy generation. To discuss this and other questions around Australia's energy future, I'm joined by Professor Frank Yotso, Director of the Centre for Climate and Energy Policy at the Australian National University. So, Frank, thank you very much for joining me today. Hi, Lamise. Look forward to our chat. So, Frank, what are your thoughts on this? Is gas necessary to smoothly transition Australia to greater renewable energy production? Yes, yeah, so the point with renewables is actually not reliability, it's intermittency. And obviously, renewables are intermittent, and the future uh, Australian electricity supply system, way down the track, um, is really solar, lots of solar, uh, wind in different parts of the country, possibly offshore wind as well good interconnectivity, right, to balance out uh, regional uh, wind wind speeds in particular, and that's then coupled with energy storage, right, large-scale energy storage as well as localised small-scale energy storage. And you'd expect the role of gas to be really quite minimal when we look into the future because it'll be very likely be more economical um, to run a system that's um, close to 100% renewables with energy storage to uh, to balance out that uh, remaining uh, intermittency once you have a nicely interconnected uh, renewable system. The thing, though, is that at the moment, we very largely use gas to balance out the, uh, the intermittency. And so this is, this is a question of transition over time, right? So we use gas now. We will be using gas uh, for quite some time to come. But in all likelihood, um, the role of, of gas in balancing renewables, balancing the grid overall, will decline over time. And that's a good thing because it'll reduce uh, the carbon footprint, very obviously, um, and it very likely will also uh, reduce the total system costs uh, of, of running our electricity supply. So in terms of uh, improving the use of renewable energies or perhaps expanding the use of renewable energy in Australia for power generation, um, as you say, so storage and interconnectivity between the different areas are probably the two main things that need to be invested in so that renewable energy is a viable form of large-scale energy generation. Would therefore the government's, I mean, the government seems to be investing quite a lot or perhaps looking to invest quite a lot in expanding gas infrastructure. How do you think this compares to perhaps investing those funds instead in renewable energy storage and connectivity? Yeah, so so you're going right to the heart of the proposition, right? And we're seeing a 
quite a strong push by the federal government for an expansion of the gas industry, right? So this comes through multiple channels, not just, uh, you know, that there is mentions in the discussion paper for the um, uh, technology roadmap, but, you know, also what we know from the initial uh, discussions or draft recommendations of the uh, the COVID economic stimulus um, uh, commission and, and all of these kinds of things. So there's, you know, there's, there's a lot of talk about gas. Um, but to be fair, right, there's now zero talk about coal, coal as uh, as a future of Australia's energy supply. And that's an important step forward, I would say, um, in terms of the political conversation about this. Right? So in terms of fossil fuels, no one's talking about coal anymore as, as, as a long-term prospect. And so what, we, what we've got on our hands, right, in Australia, and this is already happening, is a... Um, a complete substitution of the coal-fired power fleet with renewables, right? So um, we can be quite confident that this will happen. The question is how quickly it will happen uh, and how messy it will get in, in the process, right? So, um, and the point is that renewable energy, wind and solar in Australia uh, is now so cheap that it begins rivaling the operating costs of the older, less efficient coal plants. Um, and a new uh, wind or solar plant, even firmed up with energy storage, right, um, will produce energy much more cheaply than a new coal-fired power station would. In terms of gas, right, the same statement holds. So firmed up renewables can supply energy at lower costs than gas plants, right? And that's because, uh, mostly because of the, the cost of the fuel. Now, the cost of the fuel is largely a reflection of the opportunity cost of using it elsewhere, right? And gas has very, very high value in countries where renewable energy options are more constrained than Australia, right? So think Northeast Asia, think Northern and Central Europe. Um, that's where you really need gas because you've got high population densities, uh, which constrains the amount of renewables that you can deploy. These are net energy importing countries anyway and expect to, to remain so in, in a transition to low, uh, low carbon systems, right? Um, and, and in a high latitudes, you've also got the issue of um, a relative lack of energy availability during the winter, and that's their peak energy demand because that's the heating period as well, right? And so what gas will still be used in future, right, will be most beneficially used in the high population density countries of the high latitudes uh, in the northern part of the hemisphere, right, uh, in, the, in the northern uh, hemisphere. And so using a lot of gas domestically in Australia and decades down, decades down the track really will not make much uh, economic sense. And so where that then leads, right, um, is a question of transition. So we're, we're using gas uh, to balance the grid, right? So over the last month, right, one month to the 22nd of June 2020, gas accounted for about 9% of electricity supply in the national electricity market in Australia, and uh, while renewables accounted for 24%. So what we'd expect over time is for that renewable share to increase dramatically, right? And then the gas share to decrease as we're building large-scale energy storage, in particular pumped hydro storage. We want to see this sort of medium-term future 
then uh, the South Australian part of the grid is a really, really exciting thing to look at, right? So what we've got here is no coal-fired power stations, right? That region at the end of the national electricity grid in Australia runs essentially on wind uh, with some solar and some gas, okay? And so over the last month, um, 77% of uh, electricity supply in South Australia was from renewables, the bulk of that from wind, but also increasing amounts of solar uh, and about uh, 18% uh, from gas. Um, and the rest is, is imports and exports to the rest of the grid. And so that 18% gas is, of course, higher than in the grid overall, right, which reflects the absence of coal-fired power plants. But that share you would expect to decline over time uh, as large-scale energy storage options come in, come in. So moving forward, what do you think a long-term energy strategy for Australia could look like? In terms of, you know, what a forward-looking uh, technology strategy needs to set out, right, is that there needs to be a clear recognition that uh, the long-term future for Australian energy supply is renewables. Okay, that's it. And it, that's on cost grounds, that's on carbon grounds, that's on grounds of international competitiveness. The role of gas is really one uh, of transition, getting us from today to that point in the future. Um, and, you know, there will be quite legitimately different viewpoints as to what is the role of gas in the interim, say, over the next 5, 10, 15 years? And much of that depends on the speed of build of large-scale uh, energy storage facilities. So, uh, for example, Snowy 2, you know, will Snowy 2, the, the massive expansion of the pump, of the, of the hydroelectric scheme, will that take place? Uh, and will, when will it come online? Okay. Once that kind of facility is uh, on the grid, Right. Once that is built, or you know, other pumped hydro, other types of storage, once they're built, they can provide these balancing services at really quite low cost. Because what happens is they will charge their batteries or pump water up the hill so that it's available to let down the turbine. Right? They will do that at times of excess renewable energy supply. So... In a high renewable penetration system, you know, with really high shares of wind and solar in the future, a little bit like we see it in South Australia already, but you know, even higher still, what we will see is we will see an excess of electricity supply over demand from wind turbines on windy nights, and we will see an excess of electricity supply from solar panels. Uh, during the middle of the day on sunny days, right? Especially when, um, especially outside of summer, uh, when when the electricity demand during the middle of the day isn't so high, right? And so during those times, um, electricity will be essentially free, okay? Because there's a surplus of it, right? And that free electricity supply will be soaked up by the large-scale uh, storage facilities. And so the energy costs right, will be extremely low for running these things. Right? And so it really boils down very largely to the capital costs of actually building these large-scale energy storage facilities. Um, it's not a matter of the, of the running costs at all because cheap electricity will be, very cheap electricity will be available um, plentifully. 
compare that to gas, with gas, you've got most of your cost in the actual operation of the plant, namely the, uh, namely the fuel costs, right? And so because of that, right, um, the most economic uh, trajectory in all likelihood will be to use gas for balancing and during the period while we're still building up uh, the energy storage and to use less and less, less of it over time. Now, that's not to say that decades down the track there will be no gas at all. I'm not saying that because it is actually very handy to have in the background some gas generating capacity that you can use that can just kick in at times of absolute peak, peak electricity demand, right? Or at times when you have a confluence of low wind speeds um, and low solar insulation. So think of a week or so of relatively still weather where it's also overcast in winter, for example, right? That's the kind of period where even decades down the track, you could imagine gas-fired generators kicking in, right? But then their share of total electricity supply over the year would still be very low, might still only be 1% or less of electricity supply from gas, right? And so in that context, my analysis would suggest that it is not uh, economically sensible to put money towards new gas infrastructure for domestic use of gas. Okay, so we've got what we need pretty much, um, and we will not need to expand that domestic infrastructure for, for gas use uh, to any significant extent. Thank you very much, Frank. Thank you for joining me today. Well, thanks, Lamis. Happy to be with you. And thank you for listening to the Climate Update podcast. To stay tuned for our next episode, you can subscribe on your favourite podcast streaming platform, like and follow us on Twitter and Facebook at ANU Climate, or you can check out our website and subscribe to our newsletter at www.climate.anu.edu.au.